gather together there was once a very keen pastor and one Saturday morning he'd arranged to go and visit a young man in the church for brunch and Bible study. Um, so he came round early, well, quite early for a Saturday anyway, that, that Saturday morning, knocks on the door. There's no reply. He knocks on the door again. There's no reply. So he notices that the garden gate is sort of unlocked. So he, he opens the garden gate uh, and goes in and sort of peers through the window. And just through the window, he thinks he can see some movement and then someone's suddenly disappearing behind something, but he's not quite sure what's going on. So he's like, okay. Um, so he goes back to the front door. He writes down, as I said, he's very keen on his Bible, this pastor, which is a good thing, obviously. Um, and he writes down on it, Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. A few hours later, he gets an email from the person he was going to see. The email just says, Genesis 3.10. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. <laughs> we're going to start, that will be relevant later, but anyway, we're going to start a series today called Called. It's about how and why God calls us and what God calls us together to do. Because he is a God who calls out. He called out to Adam in Genesis 3. He calls out to each one of us. So we're going to talk about how God calls people to be his people in order to fulfill his purposes in this world. So that's where we're going, how God calls people to be his people to fulfill his purposes. So God calls people. You know, God's word is really powerful. When God speaks, amazing things happen. Right at the beginning of the Bible it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. So this whole creation sprang into being because of his words. Then towards the end of the Bible in Hebrews, we're told that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The fact that we're here alive, that this creation is still going, that the, the stars are spinning, that life happens is because of the sustaining word of the Son of God. He is speaking creation into existence the whole time. His words are powerful. There's a bit in Psalms where it says if God withdrew his breath, everything would, would die. God's word is powerful. And God calls people with his powerful word. He calls individuals right through the Bible at different times. We see individuals being called by God. So in that bit I mentioned earlier, 
when Adam was afraid, um, in Genesis 3.9, it says, God called to Adam. He said, where are you? Now, obviously, God knew where he was. Okay, He's omnipotent. You can't hide from God, that sort of thing. But he was calling out because he's calling out for relationship with him. He wants to, to communicate with him. A little bit later, we have the story of Abraham. Abraham living um, in Ur of the Chaldees in sort of a modern um, Iraq. Um, God speaks to him. Uh, he says, leave your country and your father's ha- land and go to a, a land I will show you and I will bless you. He calls Abraham and from Abraham and his family, the whole um, Israelite people come. He calls Moses. Uh, the people of Israel have been in Egypt for 400 years. And Moses has fled um, out to, to uh, Midian. Um, and in the wilderness, God appears to Moses. He calls to him out of a burning bush, this incredible uh, bush that burns and doesn't burn up. He says, Moses, Moses, he's calling. I've heard the cry of my people. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. Isaiah has a vision in the temple. Um, He sees God filling the temple. And he says, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've said bad things. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. He realizes his sin. And what happens? God sends an angel. Uh, strangely, the angel has a burning coal which touches Isaiah's lips and he's cleansed. And he says, here I am, send me. He goes because God calls him. God is a God who calls individuals. We have lots of that recorded with different people in the Bible. And Jesus then called. Jesus came to some fishermen, Peter and Andrew and James and John, um, and he said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. God calls. He calls out to people, to individuals. He says, follow me, come with me. Be mine. And the thing is, God calls actually to us, to each of us. He calls each of us by name. Um, Ian said with his picture of burning ears and a sense of God calling. God is calling out to each one of us. In the book of Acts, when Paul is preaching in Athens, he says, he talks about how Previously, people have worshipped whatever they want to, really. And he says, uh, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He's calling out to everyone. He's calling out to each one of us. He's calling out to everyone to turn around. Repent, it means turn around. Change your mindset. Stop just going your own way. Go God's ways. What's our response? There's an opportunity for us 
Um, it says in the book of Hebrews, um, quoting the Psalms, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, as God calls us, let's not harden our hearts. Let's respond to his call. I find this a really helpful picture. It's based on the verse I quoted from that pastor at the beginning. But Jesus saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And it's a picture of Jesus knocking at the door of our hearts, saying, let me in. I want to come in. I want to share food with you. I want to share life with you. And that's a call for each of us. Whether we're a Christian and we're following God day by day, whether we're not yet a Christian, we don't know him, it's a call open our hearts. Whether we've, we've known God but we've actually you know, walked away or not really followed him day by day, it's a call to us. He's knocking at the door of our hearts. He wants us to open the door to him and let him in to live life with him day by day, keeping in step with him, following him. In our last series, we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit helps us day by day. It's an invitation of Jesus knocking. Say, will you let me in to live life with you? We're going to, in a moment, I'm going to sort of move on and talk about some more things that that means. But I, just, I did just want to take a moment of silence now and a chance for people to pray. Because it might be that you're here today and, um, and this is really striking. You, you feel like Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Um, and you want to choose to let him in, whether it's for the first time or the umpteenth time. So I'm going to just give us a moment of silence just to pray and reflect on that. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if that's a prayer that you'd like to, to pray, do sort of pray uh, in your hearts or in your voices and follow me as I do. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are knocking at the door of our hearts. You want to come in and share life with us, eat with us, be with us. And the choice is for us whether we let you in. And I want to open the door to you and let you in and do things your way, follow you, turn around, repent, do things your way, not just my way. Please would you help me, and please would you give me your Holy Spirit to help me day by day. Amen. Amen. And if that's something that you particularly feel God's 
sort of speaking to you about and you, you prayed that and it was a, if you like, a change of some kind for you, I'd love to talk to you about it later. I'd love to give you a book as well, which is called Making the Connection, just a little book about how do we connect with God? How do we communicate with him and know, know his love? So do grab me at the end. I'd love to just talk about that. God calls people. He calls each of us. God calls people to be his people. You see, God's plan was always not about individuals, not about this person here, this person there. It was always about a people together, his people together. He called to Abraham, but what did he say to him? He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So he wasn't just thinking about Abraham. He was thinking about his descendants and his descendants becoming a nation, a people together uh, who had a call to follow God, to be his people. Um, Roll on, where are we going? Sort of 500, 600 years or so, maybe a little bit more. Um, And you get to Moses. um, And the Exodus. God speaks to Moses and he says, um, actually, sorry, he's speaking to the whole Israelite people at this point. He says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation in Exodus 19. God's rescue plan for this hurting world is to create a community, a people, his people, among whom he will dwell. And when we were speaking earlier in our sermon series earlier in the year on let my people go, we were looking at what does that mean for God to live amongst his people um, and to set them free to follow him. God's plan was always about his people. And Jesus calls people to be with him. Told in Mark 3, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. What's the key thing? He appointed these 12 that they might be with him. It's still the case today. Jesus wants us to be with him, to be living life with him, to be listening to him, to be building our lives on him, to be depending on him, because he is the one that we can depend on. It is all about relationship. It's primary. It's at the heart of what God is doing in this world. Relationship between an amazing, loving, kind, true, just God and people. It's about being. It's more important being who we are than actually focusing on what we do. Our world focuses a lot on what we do. 
But actually, first of all, it's being, it's being God's children. It's being part of his people. In the Bible, uh, God's relationship with his people is generally expressed through this idea of covenant. Covenant is a binding agreement between two or more people to seek the best for each other, to be committed in this uh, permanent, constant, loving relationship where you are looking for the best in, for that person. That is how God relates to his people. He makes covenant with them. He says, okay, I'm going to commit myself to you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I'm going to commit myself to you uh, and bring blessing to you. Walk my ways. It's the best ways. Keep this, keep this covenant. God expresses relationship with people through covenant, through lasting, committed, faithful uh, relationship. Um, obviously, marriage in our society yeah, is a picture of a, a kind of covenant, um, as it should be. Um, and perhaps it's no surprise then that the church is described as the bride of Christ. Because actually, Jesus, he so wants his church to be with him, to be in relationship with him. Uh, that's this wonderful picture of what we are called for. We are called to be in relationship with him. We are, as a church, one of the pictures is we are the bride of Christ. And it's about being, another picture used in the Bible is the family of God. Part of God's family. God the Father. God the Son, our, our brother, and the Holy Spirit. We are called into that family of God. So a relationship is really important. God calls people to be his people. To be in relationship with him through covenant. Being the people uh, that he wants them to be. And he calls people to be his people to fulfill his purposes. You see, God's plan actually has always been not just about his people, but about all people. It's been about everyone. So right back, go back to Abraham again. I'm sort of revealing bits of Genesis 12, sort of phrase by phrase really, as we go into each steps of Abraham's call. But Genesis 12, um, 2 to 3, it goes on. So he appears to him, he calls him and he says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. So he's going to make his descendants of people. And then he says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay? It's not just a promise to Abraham and to his descendants. It's a promise for the world. That through what he's doing in this people, and ultimately what he does through Abraham's descendant, his seed, Jesus, he is bringing blessing to the whole world. It's the same with Moses and the Israelites. They were meant to be this holy people set apart for God, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
But they were there so that everyone could see what God's like, how good God is, how good his rules are, how good it is to follow him. And so that everyone could see and choose to follow him. That's why in the, uh, in the Old Testament, in uh, the law of Moses, again and again, you see this thing about welcome the foreigner. Welcome the foreigner. Let them come in. Treat them well because you were strangers and slaves in Egypt because God's heart is for everyone. He's called his people to be his people but to fulfill his purposes to transform all people. And the fulfillment of that is that Jesus then sends out his disciples and in turn sends out us to transform the world. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's this blessing of Abraham going to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He wants to bring his purposes. People knowing God. People knowing his love, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, his truth, his justice. He wants to bring that to everyone. He wants everyone to know the glory of God, uh, the, the knowledge of God, what it is to be, to be in a relationship with him. It says he doesn't wish anyone to perish, but all to come to a knowledge of the truth. He sends out his disciples. He sends out us to make disciples of all nations in his name. He calls people to be his people, to fulfill his purposes. Because actually, the church is the hope of the world. You don't often think of that these days or hear people saying that. Lots of people are, are down on the church. But actually, the church and God working by his Holy Spirit through the church is what transforms lives, what brings life, what changes all kinds of things. He wants to transform this world through us. He calls people to be his people to fulfill his purposes. So it's primarily about relationship, relationship with God, um, being, being part of, uh, being uh, in relationship with him through covenant, uh, being part of the bride of Christ, being part of the family of God. Uh, that relationship is so important. But it's also about responsibility. You see, he doesn't just leave us to be his people. He gives us responsibility to bring his good news into this world. Um, out of relationships uh, with God springs responsibility for God. Out of being children of God, out of who we are, springs doing what we do for God. Just as he is good, our Father. He wants us to reflect his goodness to the world. 
Uh, in biblical terms, this is sort of expressed in terms of kingdom. Kingdom, the kingdom of God, is about God's rule coming on earth. It's about people everywhere understanding his ways and choosing to follow him. The kingdom of God is near, is what Jesus said when he came preaching. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God, God's ways, his power, his life breaking in to this world, transforming everything is near. It's the kingdom. It's God's kingdom coming on earth. People recognizing his rule, his righteousness. Um, and what's the agent of the kingdom? What brings the kingdom in? Well, really, there's two roles. The Holy Spirit is the primary agent, but the Holy Spirit works with us. Because we're the, not just the bride of Christ, we're the body of Christ, it says in the New Testament. So when Jesus, when Christ is wanting to do something in this world, how does he do it? He uses his body. That's us. That's you and me and the millions and millions and millions of others around the world who are following him, who are serving the people of this world in Jesus' name. We are the body of Christ. There's incredible responsibility and incredible privilege with us, led and empowered by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. We are the family of God on a mission together to bring his kingdom in. You can't see these very well, actually, but they're little clips, little pictures of different things that we've been doing as King's Church to do that. The cat barbecue or cooking kids on a Sunday or when we were clearing up the, um, the maze um, on Lady Grove Mound. Um, different things about bringing God's kingdom and his blessing into our lives. So God calls people to be his people in order to fulfill his purposes in this world. What does that look like for us? Well, over the next uh, couple of months, we're going to be looking at it in, in lots of different ways. How we're called to worship, how we're called by God to care, how we're called to go and, uh, and bring good news, how we're called to pray, how we're called to make disciples, how we're called to serve, and how we're called to obey God. Um, today what I wanted to do in this last bit of time is a bit different. I wanted to pick up again a, a passage of scripture that God has spoken to us as King's Church well, right back in the beginning when we were started nearly 20 years ago and repeatedly since then. Um, and uh, you'll notice, it's Isaiah 61, you will notice there are some verses from it sort of uh, stuck up around the room. Um, it's something foundational to what we as a church are called to be. So what we're going to do, I'm going to read it out. Um, as I do that, I just encourage you all just to sit and pray and um, as we go through each bit, um, I'm hoping that for each of us there will be a particular phrase or a verse of it which really grabs us, which is like, yeah, this is what really gets my passion going. This is what excites me about what God's doing. Um, and that God will sort of grab our attention in that way. 
Um, if that happens, um, as we're going through it, then have a look around and see where it is on the wall and then sort of gather to that particular bit. Hopefully there will be a, a bunch of people um, and um, there's felt tips as well. Oh, there they are. Beautifully and neatly tidied up. Um, so what we're going to do, play a little bit of music. I'll read it out. If you gather to the particular bit and then just... Um, Anyone who wants to, feel free to share in this group and say, okay, this is what I think this means. This is why it's important to me. Um, and this is something that I think maybe I'd love to do about it or we could do about it to bring that into reality in our place. Um, and then note it down on your bit of paper and we'll sort of gather them in at the end. Um, we may have millions of great ideas. We may say... Oh, it's all, you know, can't do this and can't do that. But actually, let's just put it down there. Find out what we're excited by. Um, and, um, yeah, so that's the plan. Hopefully that makes sense. People are looking only slightly confused, so I always feel like that's a good sign. Um, obviously, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking to a group and stuff, that's also fine. There with music playing, so feel free to just sit and sort of listen and reflect as well as it goes on. Okay, I'm going to read this out. This is Isaiah 61, uh, which is also a key verse that Jesus quoted of himself in Luke. So when he starts his mission in Luke, he stands up in the synagogue and he reads out these verses, or part of these verses, and then he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus' manifesto, if you like. So let's read. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Okay. Nick, could you put that um, thing on? Father, I want to pray. I thank you for that incredible picture that you've spoken of God changing things by your Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for each one of us. You would speak into our hearts and, and whatever grabs us by your Spirit would grab us. And I pray you'd help us as your people to bring more of that into being in our town, in our villages, in our community. In Jesus' name. Amen.
So it starts there on the wall.